Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. We've been doing a series, if you've just joined us, we've been doing a series about uh, 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 mental health or what uh, detracts from it, what attacks our minds. And uh, I really feel for you students and, and young people, but in particular students when you move away from home, because when you move away from home, you think, yeah, I'm going to union. The, the, the dream that you have, the thought, the mental picture, the emotional, um, the, the emotions and thoughts that you've put together of how it's gonna be. And when you land there, it's not exactly how you pictured it or felt it. But that's the same in anything in life. But you see, this is your biggest step. And I want to congratulate you because you are the top, is it the top 5% of our nation? Anybody that goes to university, they're the, 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 the top 5% because you're of leaders, potential leaders in our nation. And um, you've stepped away from, from parents' direct control. And now you've got to control your own life. And some of the things you might not have anticipated is that when you get hungry, you, you think, oh, I'm starving. And in the past, you could have gone home and the fridge is full and your, your mum's done some cooking or baking or something like that. If your dad hasn't eaten it all. And then there's cookies in the cupboard, tea and coffee there. And, and, but now, there's nothing there because you have to put it there. And then when you go shopping, you look and you think, right, what, what do I want? So chicken, chicken's good for you. I'll, I'm, I'm going to get some chicken. Mm. Do you want really cheap chicken? Do you want cheap chicken? Do you want mi- you know, middle of the range chicken? Do you want expensive chicken? Do you want cooked chicken? Do you want raw chicken? Do you want Brazilian chicken? Do you want, and you're like, I don't know. And then you look at the prices and you think, I can get everything from 50 pence to eight pound odd. I don't know what to do. And it's like, and then you see the potatoes, you think, I love spuds. I love roast potatoes. You look and you think, but what do you do with them? I'm, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure most of you know what to do. <laughs> liar, liar, you pants on fire, I know. But, <coughs> and you see spaghetti, different types of spaghetti. And you've got so many decisions to make. And you know something? It's the minutiae of life that clogs your mind up. I just came from the Olisphere. That's beautiful, isn't it? It is. It's the minutiae of life that clogs your mind up. Detail drains you. Did you know that? Your mind was never meant to just remember stuff. It was meant to dream into the future. But when you've got lots of things to remember, it clogs your mind up. So what you've got to do is get stuff off your mind and onto a list. It's called a list, a to-do list. Anyone know what I'm talking about? And you've got to get to-do lists going. Otherwise, you're wasting the energy that's in your mind because your mind's there for dreaming. It is there for remembering as well, but you're not meant to walk around carrying baggage of remembrance. You're meant to be able to just write the thing down and then use your mind for something else, yeah? So when things like this, ordinary everyday things, your friend comes around. I know it's a different generation for you. When my friends came around, I used to say, do you want tea or do you want coffee? Well, now, you know, do you want water or do you want water? I don't, no, no, I'll have a water. And so uh, if, you, if anybody did want coffee, you've got to buy it. And you think, but I don't want to buy it because that's a waste of money. But your mum and your dad used to have it all there for you. Cereals. Who hides the cereals in their, in their house? Who hides your food under your bed? 
and somebody dare put it in the fridge and, and one of your friends go, oh, I'm sorry, I came home and I was blathered and I just, I'll get you, I'll get you. And then you think, no, just don't touch my stuff. Leave me, leave me stuff or I'll cut your hand off, clean off. And I'll fry it and smother it with onions and put spaghetti around it and I'll eat your hand. Anyway, sorry I got carried away there. Quite like that thought. So, <coughs> and it's these things. What happens when, when you need a change of, of sheets on your bed? And you think, no, 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 that'll be all right for a few years. <laughs> and you're like, no, you see, mum used to do that. Now you've got to do it. I think, yeah, but where do I, where do I put the salt? Where, oh, no, it's a machine. Where do I put the money? Uh, what do I do? How do I dry it? And it's like, I know, I'll put it right over the banister. And then you put it over a wooden banister. And then when you, when you take it off, when it's dried, it's got a brown mark all the way down. <laughs> and it's, it's, that's not a skid mark. That's, that's off the wood. And you're learning now. You're thinking, oh, and my grandma bought me that sheet. <laughs> put a skid mark down it, Gran, I'm sorry. So all the time these things attack your mind. And then you have to decide what clothes you're putting. No, no, I've just put everything in. No, no, no. I put it on the Otis wash. I thought, yes, it'll kill any germs. Yeah, nobody's going to blend the colours now. We're really going to blend it. You know, if we've been psychedelic, Sam. And you're like, oh, they were my best jeans and they're pink. <laughs> all these things attack your mind. And then when your money runs out, and then you think, I haven't got enough. Money. Oh, Mum, can you just, I'm really sorry, but can you just send me £3,000 <laughs> tonight in the, in the bank? Transfer it. And so it all, things go wrong. It attacks your mind. And then you've got your friends. Uh, your would-be friends. You're trying to make friends with people. And you try to be funny. You say something that you think this will make them laugh. You say it and it dies. And halfway through it's dying. You think, I've started and I have to finish. And everyone goes, uh, yeah, anyway. Let's carry on playing dominoes. You know, it's more exciting than your joke. Um, and you die, and all, it's all new people. And now you're desperate to be liked. Yeah. Well, some of us are anyway. Some of us can't be bothered. You know, you break wind wherever you go. You're not that bothered. But, but you're trying to be liked because you're just wanting to get on in life. All these things attack your mind. Then you lie down in bed at night. You're just about to go over and you think, I shouldn't have told that joke. I shouldn't have told that joke. You think, mind, calm down and you're like going to say like, what 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 <laughs> it's the pink elephant's turn to take the penalty <laughs> and you're like you're all over it. your mind's being attacked and it's not because you're depressed you've got mental health problems it's because you've hit a new normal that's what it is i better go doctors this is not normal my brain's like frazzled and it, and it is normal but it's the first time you've encountered it so I want to calm some people's fears tonight and just say, you've hit a new world and now you've just got to get used to it. It's like starting work. I were a postman for three days until the town begged the post office to sack me. <laughs> they just said, you must have walked 10 miles out your way to post that in the wrong letterbox. Because I can't study and remember the numbers on the doors. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm looking at numbers and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Number 60, I put in number 60, right, right number, wrong street. And yeah, I've got them kind of things going on. Why? Because I'm studying. I can't, I can't do, I can't clog my mind up with too much. So I lasted three days. And they paid me for three days. Did they, you know, they said, we've got to let you go. Here's your wage. I said, give it to charity. <laughs> I said, oh, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> See you later, scrub my name off your list, any list. So, we've been looking at what causes 
mental health issues. What attacks our mind. Number one, people are driven by guilt. I touched this, touched on this last week. Guilt-driven people. They spend their lives running from regrets and hiding their shame. Guilt-driven people are manipulated by memories. Manipulated by memories. Who's ever been guilty about something? You can't sort it out, so you overcompensate when you talk to people. So you're manipulated by memories. And you overcompensate sometimes for other people, the people who you've done, done, done wrong to or whatever. Who's, who's ever thought you've got over something and then the thought hits your mind? So they allow people that are guilt-driven, allow the past to control the future or at least influence the future. And I want to say tonight, you can be free with the power of Jesus. And in our nation, because we are scientific and we, are, we have been through the Enlightenment period, where instead of believing in spiritual things and the Bible as being the authority uh, in, in, in life and, and good practice in life and everything, we've let that go and we've swapped it for, for science. And, um, and we've, we've swapped it for um, uh, human reasoning. Human reasoning now is seen to be above everything else. And that's a sad state of affairs when you look at human reasoning. And uh, it's sad. Science is, gr is great. And you know all the advances we've got in science. And even going to the moon is absolutely amazing. Uh, I can't even begin to think whoever began, you know, putting the, the stuff together to get a rocket to go up there. But I want to say this. It's got its limitations. And God is the greatest scientist going. And when, so, when science discovers something, whoever discovered it, we make a big plaque and put it on, you know, Louis Pasteur, he pasteurized milk here, it is very good. <laughs> and, uh, and so we say, Louis Pasteur, wow, what a brain. You know, Einstein, wow, what a mega, 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 mega triller brain, or whatever, right? No, 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 they're, they're not brilliant, they've just discovered what was already there. Whoever put what was already there, there, is brilliant that's the creator and so you know that's who we worship when we're worshiping the creator the one that's like unique he has no rival he has no equal and it's his power that is the greatest power on earth it's an invisible power that's why when we pray for healing people get healed of sickness and disease because he's the name above every name and, and you know I, a young girl came to one of our meetings uh, in a Christian union in school once, and she broke her wrist. And I thought it was just attention-seeking behavior, you know, so I'm like pulling her fingers and tapping her pot. And she's going, how, 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 how? Anyway, we prayed for her afterwards. <laughs> I was reluctant to pray for her because I thought, attention-seeking. She went, it's, it's gone, it's gone. She goes, my hand's okay. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. Next week, she had the pot cut off, and she brought her x-ray in where it showed the fracture, and it showed where the fracture had been healed. And she got healed. And healing, it's just God... Uh, speeding up the process of healing, uh, a miracle I should say, is God just speeding up the process of healing. And it, those things are natural to God. We can't fathom it, we say, oh, I, don't, I don't believe in that kind of stuff, that's because it's beyond your understanding. Uh, it's, it's meant to be beyond your understanding, um, because it, you're dealing with God Almighty. Anyway, back to guilt. People are driven by guilt and you don't have to be because of the power of Jesus. You know when Jesus died on the cross, he had a, a crown of thorns put on his head. That was so that he would shed blood from his head. And where there's shed blood, there's healing. There's healing for your mind. His blood was for redemption, which means it pays for everything. 
Redemption, when you buy a house, you, you redeem it, you pay you pay for it. It now becomes his. Right? So when, he, when his blood redeems that part of your life, <coughs> Jesus hands it you back and he says, you had a mind that was tormented, let me give you a fresh mind that's at peace. I bought it back at the cross. Do you want a fresh mind? Do you want a, a mind full of peace? Or do you want a mind full of pain? Adam gave you the mind full of pain. Jesus in the Bible is called the second Adam. He gives you a mind of peace, which you want. Can you see how it works? Jesus is awesome. When you get to know what he did at the cross, it wasn't so that we could paint religious pictures of him going, that wasn't it. The agony of Jesus wasn't it. It was to, to, to win back body, mind, and soul. And, and when I say body, you know, the Jews really liked the body. And, um, you know, they didn't say the body is nothing. And the mind is everything, like the Greeks and now the Europeans and, and the Western world. No, the, the Jews understood God made matter. And matter matters. And so when you've got a bad knee, God said, do you want a good knee or do you want a bad knee? I'll have a good knee. It's all part of the new creation. And, and by stripes, we've been healed. And so just so much about Jesus I could tell, I could tell you about tonight. But I want to talk about this guilt thing because it's massive. And it's like a little sore in you now because you're only young. But as you get older, if you don't deal with guilt, that sore will get bigger and spread like gangrene right the way through you. And when Cain killed Abel in Genesis chapter five, uh, somewhere like that, four or five, when Cain killed his brother uh, Abel, his sin disconnected him from God's presence. And God told him, you will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And when I look out now at youth, I see restless wanderers. They're separated from the presence of God. Why? Because we said no more prayers in school. No more teaching the Bible in school. So we don't know who to turn to when we've got trouble. No more grandmas and granddads telling us the gospel stories because they didn't believe. And what we've got is, well, grandma got pregnant before she got married. All right, yeah. And her daughter got pregnant before she got married. Granddaughter gets pregnant before she gets married. There's a, there's a theme building. Can you see what I'm saying? Ah, you, you know, my granddad, well, he's got children all over the show. And, 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 and my dad's got children all over the show. I'm destined to have children all over the show. Yeah? No, you're not. Jesus cut sin. And instead of the downward spiral of sin and bad habits, you start to spiral upwards and just say, no, we're going to do things right. There is a right way to live. You can't live, you can't live bad and feel good. You can't. You can't live a life that's bad and feel good about yourself. You have to twist your mind to feel good about yourself. And that's why people take drugs and why people get drunk a lot. It's because they're, they're guilty. They feel bad about what they're doing, but they're just determined to do it. I was determined to sleep with every girl that I saw, and I saw a lot of girls. I was determined. Why? Because to me, that was excitement. And so, and I was determined to drink as long as I could. I only drank at the weekends because I had a factory job and it was boring, and, but that created the money for my weekend. So because I'm an all or nothing merchant, I started as soon as I could get home from work, finished at five. I was showered and, and I were out by half past six and I would drink solidly till two in the morning. And then when I woke up, I'd reach for a can. I'd have a can, get myself showered, get down to the pub for the Saturday afternoon session. And then I'd come out of there, fall asleep for a few hours, wake up, get showered, and I'd be out Saturday night, 7 o'clock, till the early hours of Sunday morning. Repeat it Sunday morning, wake up, get a can, 
get, have a few cans, then get down to the... Oh, I forgot my shower. <laughs> get down to the pub by 12 o'clock, have, have food in the pub, but get, you know, keep drinking all, all afternoon, fall asleep for a few hours, and the pubs didn't open until 7, I think it was, on a Sunday night. That was, and they finished, they closed at half past 10, it used to break my heart. Then we found a nightclub. So the whole weekend, between seven and eight gallon of beer, not just me, but all my friends used to drink. Why? Because we were determined to drink and drink and drink and sleep wherever we can. And you know something? During the week, I used to sober up and think, where's my life going? I'm a restless wanderer. I didn't think that. But I was a restless wanderer. And you are. Until you meet Christ. And what you find out is the, the journey to find meaning in life uh, stops. And the adventure of discovering meaning in life begins because Jesus said I am the way the life and the truth not a truth but the truth and he said no man comes to the father to God almighty except by me Jesus is exclusive but he invites everybody on planet earth to come and believe in him the question is tonight will you believe in him will you trust your life to him and at 19, I had many gods in my life. Sex, booze, ego, and probably a few others. But, but the, the, those three things dominated my life. And when I said I was sorry to God, then three gods got de, uh, demoted. And Jesus became preeminent. Jesus became number one in my life. And he's been number one ever since. We are products of our past, but we are not prisoners of our past. We can be free. Whatever culture has shaped your life, when you start to read the Bible, you find there's a new culture. And it's God's culture, and it's a culture of freedom, and it's a culture of abundance. It's not a culture of restriction. It's a culture of restraint. Restriction is you can't, you can't, you can't. Restraint is that's not good for you. See, I can get drunk as a Christian. But it's not good for me. Wouldn't be wise. What I mean is, as a Christian, I can do whatever I want. But the point of becoming a Christian is because you, you you're tired of doing what you want because it's worn you out. You start to want to do what God wants. So it's not like, well, as a Christian, can I do this, can I do that? Paul says this, the Apostle Paul, he said, all things are permissible. All things. All things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. All things are permissible, he repeats it, but I'll not be mastered by anything. What's mastering you? You need Jesus to set you free. That's why I don't go back to getting drunk. I don't go back to sleep. Well, I'm glad I don't go back to sleeping around. I've been married for 30 odd years. But wouldn't it, look, could, wouldn't it look silly on me? Now, if you had to walk in a bar and see me drunk as a skunk, you wouldn't look and think, oh, this is a laugh. You'd think, oh, no. It would be a loss, not a laugh. Because you think, oh, Dave, you had integrity. You had, can you see, I've been building my life. So why would I want to do that? All things are per permissible. But not all things are beneficial. God, oh, I'm preaching better than what you're responding tonight. I'm telling you. The Bible says that the fruit of righteousness is peace. What is righteousness? It's living right. It's not goody-goody. It's dangerously good. When everybody else is saying, we're going to do this. And you're saying, oh, I'll probably give it a miss. And you're the one that's different. You're the one that stands out from the crowd. Who's seen that photograph of the, the, uh, all the... It's, it's full of German men, I think, predominantly. And they're all giving Hitler the salute. And there's one guy out of thousands of men 
who isn't. Has anyone seen that photograph? There's an individual right there. There's somebody who's ever seen the life of Brian. And he goes, we're all individuals. And one shouts up, he goes, I'm not. <laughs> you just defied it. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So number one, people are driven by guilt. And I want to say, you can have your guilt taken away. Jesus was a guilt offering. It was called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Lambs were used as a sacrifice in the Old Testament. And the blood had to be shed. Why? Because there's life in the blood. And so it was a life for your life. So instead of God taking your life for your sin, he would take the life of a, of a lamb, uh, a, a sheep or a goat. And, um, and the priest, when he sacrificed the goat or the lamb, he didn't, for your sins, let's just say, or my sins, I, I would have to go up with a, a, a lamb for my, my whole family. And it was a ram. It was like a year-old ram. It was, in its, it was in its prime. And so the priest would inspect the sheep, he wouldn't inspect the person's life. He would inspect the, sh the sheep to see if it was perfect. An imperfect sheep would have had a runny eye or teeth missing or a broken leg or a, a, a disease and it would be rejected. There was a way that you had to bring a sheep. It had to be perfect. And so the priest would inspect the sheep, sacrifice it, and it says, that offering has made you forgiven. The offering has been acceptable to God and when you give your life to Jesus Christ God doesn't look at your sin today he looks at he inspects the sacrifice he looks at his son Jesus Christ and he says perfect the perfect son of God and so we've been made acceptable to God not because of our righteousness but because of his perfection it's a gift I wish everybody would get this secret because once you realize eternal life is a gift salvation is a gift then it's like, we can all go to heaven, every one of us. But better than that, we can all experience heaven now. Peace of mind, for goodness sake, who would love peace of mind? Who would love a new start in life? Who would love a new life to start with? It's all there in Christ. Number two, many people are driven by resentment and anger, and we've looked at this. And, um, you know, when we rehearse our, our pain and what people have done to us, we only hurt ourselves. It's like drinking bleach and making yourself sick again. It burns on the way down. It'll burn on the way back up again. And if you could drink that sick, that, anyway, I'm just saying. It's like we keep regurgitating. When we're rehearsing the pain of our past, we're regurgitating. And it's got the same power to hurt us and cause us to be angry at people or resent, resentful about how parents have brought us up, how grandparents have affected us, how uncles have, have, have done things, or aunties have done things, and you're like, what? But with Jesus, you can actually stop rehearsing it, and you can get rid of it by forgiving it. But you've got to know forgiveness first. When you know forgiveness, you're able to forgive. And it's a miracle to be forgiven. And uh, Jesus always wants to forgive us. And if, as we experience his forgiveness... It's not just like, I'm sorry, Jesus, and nothing happens. No, no, no. When you say you're sorry and you turn from your sins, God releases you from your sins. He releases you from your bad habits. It's amazing. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul says this. Not that I have already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do. Just say one thing. 
You don't have to do a lot of things, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. That's what we do. We press on to what's ahead. And he's given us a life coaching tool here. He's saying you've got to forget what's behind. But sometimes it's glued to your mind and you need supernatural help of God's forgiveness and release so that you can forgive that person or that situation or whoever has, has damaged you. And, it's, and you're released from it and now you can walk on and you've got a future. More than that, your kids are going to have a future. More than that, your grandkids are going to have a future. When Jesus broke into my selfish life at 19, I didn't know I'd be stirring into a pram today at a little eight-year-old, eight-month-old, sorry, eight-month-old baby girl whose, whose future is looking far brighter than this drunken bum at 19. Imagine being that granddad and going, yeah, all right, come and see me down at the pub. I'll just be down there. Oh, here she is. She's great. Come on, princess. Get over here. She's not going to have that as a, as, as, an un, as a granddad. There we go. She's not going to have that. She's going to have, don't do this. No, she's not going to have that now. <laughs> do not breathe. He's not good enough. Back off and I'll kill you. He's not, you know. Anyway, anyway. Number three. Many people are driven by fear. Their fears may be the result of a traumatic experience in the past or unrealistic expectations. If you've grown up in a family of high achievers and they expect you, you're the one that they're pinning their hopes on and you're thinking, no, 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 it's too much pressure. Growing up in a, an angry home or growing up in a, a home that, that has lack, it never has enough money. And all that shapes your thinking and shapes your future unless you break free from it. And the Bible says that God has not given us uh, a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So regardless of your upbringing, when you come as an individual and, and give your life to Jesus Christ, he starts to, he, he forgives you your sins, he, he, he puts a new life on the inside of you. But the old wants to dominate. The old fears, the old guilts want to dominate. And this Indian, um, Indian chief, he had these two, two, uh, uh, two dogs that he had. And, the, and, and the, the grandson said, which of these two would win in a fight? And he said, the one who you feed the most. And it's the same in your nature. If you serve and, and, and feed your lower nature, that's the one that will dominate you. I know, when I look at church, I know what nature people are, are moving towards. When you feed your lower nature, it's like, I can't be bothered. That's how it expresses itself. I can't be bothered. I'll do it tomorrow. Lower nature, I'll not say anything. Somebody's just been murdered around court, I'll not say anything. It's, not, it's nothing to do with me. I'll not say anything. Lower nature. Lower nature, always saying what's on your mind, never giving anybody else a chance to talk. It's all about you. You, 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 you. Yeah? An opinion on everything. Lower nature. Absolutely no wisdom or counsel from God in your, in your language. That's your new nature. When, you let, when, when I hear people in the new nature, they're saying, I've been reading this or I've been thinking this, and you know it's fresh. The, the thought process is be, being refreshed. It's like fresh streams of water coming into their mind, and they're like, this is amazing. And, and finding things out about themselves, good and bad, but their awareness growing, you know, they're, they're, they're tapping into the new nature. Because when you tap into your new nature, you realize that you're not as great as you thought you were. <laughs> Anyone find that about themselves? I mean, you just go to university, you find that. 
because awareness is hitting you all the time. I feel for your generation because you know you're all you're, you've put it out on Instagram before you've got embarrassed, and then when you when you read, you're thinking, oh. Anyway, anyway, perfect love drives out all fear. If you suffer from fear, fear of speaking, fear of this, fear of that, you know the love of God on the inside of you. The Bible says this, perfect love drives out all fear. And you can have perfect love. God doesn't love, God is love. He's the epitome of love. Anyway, number four, people are driven by materialism. Their desire is to acquire. And their desire to acquire becomes their whole goal in life. But materialism is based on the misconception that, that having more will make me happy. Having more will make me important. Having more will make me secure. And those are lies. It's not true. Why? Because it doesn't make us more happy because we get bored when we acquire stuff and we want more and we want bigger and we want better. I can remember getting, I thought, I just want four properties for a, a pension fund for me, pour moi. Not even my wife, <laughs> no. Just because as a minister, I didn't have a pension fund and lots of ministers, when they retire, well, they can't retire because there's no money coming in. And so I thought, as a younger man, I thought, I need some properties and I went for four. Anyway, 16 properties later, you know, you know, it's like, it grew because I had four. I thought, well, why stop? Let's just get a few more coming in. Let's just get a few more coming in. I'm just buying one next month. It's beautiful. It's a, it's a, I, I'm addicted and God feeds me addiction. What can I say? <laughs> but I'm just saying, when you've got four, you're thinking, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. But you see, and then you think, well, it's not enough because that's only going to produce this amount. And my appetite is a lot bigger than that. And it's the same. And you know, it's the same with wives. You know, you've got one, you want a million. You think having more will make you more important. <laughs> but self-worth and net worth are not the same. Yeah. Having more is not, you know, your net worth doesn't equal your self-worth. Yeah. You can be very rich, but very, very, you know, you, 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 you feel so bad about yourself, like you're worth nothing, you'll put up with anything. I've seen beautiful girls getting married to fellas that weren't just not beautiful, but they weren't bright and they didn't have money. But the thing they feared the most was being left on the shelf. And I felt for them. You see, your, your, your net worth and your self-worth are not the same. They're not the same. Wealth can be lost in a moment through a variety of uncontrollable and, uh, and, and uh, uncontrollable circumstances. Last of all, I want to say this. Many people are driven by the need for approval. And this is probably the biggest one. The need for approval. Approval addiction. It's not great. They allow the expectations of parents, our spouses, our children, our teachers, our friends to control their lives. I've seen so many parents giving in to the teenage son or the teenage daughter just because they want them to be the friend. And that's why when I teach in church, I'm saying... You're not your daughter's friend. You're not your son's friend. You are their dad or you're their mum. It is different. I'm going out to LA next week with my eldest son. I'm not going out as his best mate. I'm going out as his mentor. I'm his dad. I'm his plumb line. I'm his memory. I'm all sorts of that fella. I'm his dad. And he expects something from me. He doesn't expect me to say, come on, yo, let's go and get drunk. He doesn't expect... 
No, he doesn't expect that. <laughs> no, he doesn't expect that. That would be strange to him. And when he's mourning or whatever, he knows I'm going to listen. But he knows at the end of it, at some stage, I'm going to say, consider this. He wants something from his dad. I'm his dad. I'm not his mate. I'm his dad. There's a difference. And my love for him is far stronger than any mate. Any pal that he has, any sort of busy. <laughs> not even a pretender to the throne. Many adults are still trying to earn the approval of unpleasant parents. And in Jesus Christ, you can know the freedom from approval addiction where you can respect your parents and honour your parents, but you don't have to live under their expectations. If any man is in Christ, the Bible says, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And you know something? Please, please, understand something as well, because you are, I'm speaking to students. Do not go home at half term or whatever, or at Crimbo or whatever you call it, Christmas. Don't go home and say, I am not living under your expectations any longer. It's too early to say that. Wait till you finish your course. Because <laughs> if they stop the tap, it's a bit of wisdom from Jesus here. No, you don't do that anyway. But in your mind, you know, this is their expectation, but this is what I'm doing. This is where I'm going. And we gently and with respect start to make, uh, voice our thoughts back to our parents. And there is a way of going about it. There's a great way. It's not all, even if Jesus said it to your parents, they wouldn't always receive it. So it's not that if you say the right thing to your parents, they'll get it. They might never get it. But here's the thing. It's your life. It's your life. And you've got to make it count. Joshua chapter 4. Joshua said to, his whole to, to the whole nation, he said, As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He nailed his colors to the mast. What about you in your young life? Have you nailed your colors to the mast? When Jesus died on the cross, what was he doing? Nailing his colors to the mast. In loud, loud actions. He was saying to the whole world, God was speaking through Jesus saying, I love you unconditionally. Whether you love me back is up to you, but I love you. That love is more powerful than anything else because it's God that's loving. It's the greatest gift because it's God that's giving. It's the greatest thing that you can receive because when you receive him, you receive eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, the way to defeat mind monsters is not to go and take pills and stuff like that, but it's to recognize your surroundings and say things have changed and to start to speak to yourself. Psalm 42, the psalmist said this to himself. He said, why are you so downcast, O my soul, so down within me? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. And he was speaking to himself. And we've lost the habit of speaking to himself. Because when you speak to yourself, you think, I'm talking to myself now. I am. I've crossed the line. No, you haven't. You're meant to talk to yourself. And you're meant to stir up the true self in you. You're meant to challenge yourself. You're meant to wobble your own head. You're meant to give yourself a checkup from the neck up. And, 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 start. and when you're frightened, you're saying, I am frightened, but do you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I'm, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to do it. And you've got to start to speak to yourself and, and, and start to encourage yourself 
in courage, put courage in. You have to learn how to do that as a human being. And, and, and then there's promises in the Bible that you can stand on. And I will finish with this. Standing on promises. Peter sees Jesus walking on the water. It's a storm. And there's wind and waves. It's life-threatening. And Jesus, because he's the Word, he's the Creator, he knows how to walk on water. So he walks on water. And Peter says, if you're not a ghost, call me to come and walk on the water. I'm like Peter. I'd have done something like that. And Jesus said, come. So Peter climbs down off his boat. His boat was more like a ship than a boat. He climbs down. He starts walking on the water. Something nobody's ever done. He starts walking on the water. He can't believe it. And then he takes his eyes off Jesus. And he sees, the, he sees his circumstances and he begins to sink. Because when you look at your circumstances, the mind monsters get you. It's like, I've no money and I've no this and I've no that. Oh, I am rubbish. You're not rubbish. You're just going through life. And he starts walking on the water. How did he do it? He walked on the water because he used a word. Just one word. Come. That's all Jesus said. Come. It wasn't a ladder on top of the water that he could just walk on or a piece of concrete. He stepped out on a word. And it's impossible. Have you ever tried to get in a bath and not sink? It's impossible. But he walked out on a word. You've got to get hold of this. Because as you walk out on a word, you'll find you're walking on strength, not on, on flimsy things, but it's invisible. So when the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that's all you've got some days and you're trying to do your studies, you think, I can't do this. Yes, you can. Who told you you can't do it? Of course you can. I can do all things through Christ. And that day, all you're walking on is that one promise and you can't see it. But please don't walk like me like you've, you've, you've done one in your pants. But that's all you're stepping out of. Another one is, is what I've read tonight. God didn't give us a, 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 a mind of fear, but a mind of, of uh, love and power and of uh, uh, a, a sound mind. That's it. That's the thing that I'm after. I'm cracking up. You're not cracking up. You've got a sound mind in Jesus, but you have to speak it because your mind and your emotions will only go quiet when your tongue speaks. And the Bible says, that life and death are in the power of the tongue. You have to speak it out. I can do all things. Oh, my me, me money's coming to an end. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And if somebody comes up with a job for a weekend and they just say, look, if you'll do this, we'll give you 50 quid or 100 quid. You think, no, 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 I'm praying about it. Yeah, 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 that's your answer to prayer. Often God's answers to prayer comes in workmen's clothes. Can you see I'm putting overalls there? I'm putting overalls on. Ah, oh, I've said enough. I could go on again. Now that I've woke up, I've got going now. It's always a pleasure. And it's, it's more than a, a pleasure for, for me as a fossil. It's more of a, a, it's a privilege to come and invest in the next generation. And honestly, my, the, the word from God tonight is don't toss it off. Don't make it. Don't, do not go and do what everybody else does. Don't do that. Stand tall. Give your life to Jesus Christ and let him be your inner strength. When you feel weak and like, I just want to fit in with everybody. No, 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 no. Be strong on the inside. Jesus can make you strong on the inside. I know it because I've proved it in my life. I walked away from all my friends, not because I wanted to, but because they didn't want me as Dave the Christian. They didn't. and They didn't like the new Dave because he treated people well. 
didn't like that. They wanted me to be like them. And it, and I were only 19, but I had to make a decision. Is it them or is it what I know to be true? And I had to walk with what I knew to be true. And you know, the more you do that, the stronger you get. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website 